Today on the show, uh, Mass with the Cubbies. Listen, what is spiritual direction? Our picks of the week and so much more. The Catholic Underground starts right now. Alrighty, it is time for the CU Weekly. We are the podcast that tries to cut through the noise of the digital continent and bring you the topics that matter. It's episode number 355. I'm Father Chris Decker. Joining me this week, we've got her. You've been waiting for her. Here she is, <laughs> Kathleen Lee. She's a religion teacher at Archbishop Chappelle High School in Metairie. She's our locally sourced faith ninja. Hiya, Kathleen. Hiya, sensei. Indeed. Kathleen is what I would like to be called now. <laughs> she does prefer sensei. Yeah. Uh, also, we've got Olivia Galino. She's the associate director of youth and young adult ministry for the Diocese of Baton Rouge. She joins us as ever. There are no cookies today, though, Olivia. I'm sorry. Boo. I know, and we have a child as a guest, the, and I, I'm sorry. That's okay. It's okay. Uh, no judgment. No judgment. Oh, then, of course not. Uh, shall we go up to the Jeff Star One Near Earth Orbit Satellite uh, to our friend Jeff Blackwell, who's the technical director of the CU. He's looking the commandant. Looking good, Father. Yeah, he's the commandant of that self-same Jeff Star One Near Earth <laughs> Orbit Satellite. Uh, Jeff, always good to see you up there in space. It's a privilege to be here, Father. Because if you're in space, it means all is well on Earth. There we go. Also, uh, if you're watching us on the video feed on the Facebook, on uh, on Catholic TV, uh, out of Boston, and in all points in between, uh, on Telecare Television, welcome, welcome. Uh, we'd like to thank Ed Ball, who is in the video cave portion of the Jeff Star One, who is switching video for us this week. Alrighty, well, you know, sports folk need priests, too. Mm-hmm. Don't they? Mm-hmm. Sports folks such as yourself? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm the king of the windmill hole. That's what I do well. Um, yeah, no, no. Uh, so uh, from from 2016, when the Cubs were headed to the World Series, uh, is is when this story comes to us. So Father Burke Masters accepted God's call to be a priest, but he thought that he'd be giving up baseball forever because as a teenager. Uh, Burke Masters, he even has a sportsman-like name, right? Mm-hmm. Burke Masters. Right. He'd either be a newscaster or a star baseball player. Hmm. But he, he dreamed of playing Major League Baseball, and so he played at Mississippi State University in the late 80s, had a short career in the minor leagues, and he played uh, in the White Sox organization as well. And uh, he was told by scouts, and I can't imagine hearing this, um, he was told, you did everything well, but nothing great. Wow. Yeah, uh, but I guess scouts have to tell you the truth well, there, yeah. for the for the money and the yeah. fame and the prestige. But at any rate, yeah. uh, his career didn't last long, but he didn't want to get away from baseball. Mm-hmm. So, you know, those who are told they can't do, perhaps go and teach. They, mm-hmm. they learn, huh? And so uh, he got a degree in sports administration from Ohio University. He began to work uh, with the Kane County Cougars in Geneva, Illinois, which is affiliated with the Florida Marlins. And uh, he was kind of working his way towards working in a major league team, even if he wasn't playing baseball. And as it often does, the Lord kind of peeks in and says, uh, how about a vocation, <laughs> you know? And so, and so Burke uh, decided that uh, after um, some spiritual direction that he would go into, uh, into the seminary. And so he entered Mundelein Seminary, and he never looked back. He was ordained a priest in 2002, and he was actually appointed vocation director for the Diocese of Joliet in 2006. And so he thought, well, this is my life, you know. Uh, I'm a priest now. And actually, uh, Father, uh, Father Burke has a blog, and some of his scripture reflections are really, really good. We'll make sure we put those in the show notes for you. But um, so he's, he's a priest. He's priesting. And then there was a call for, for the Catholic Athletes for Christ organization. They reached out to Father Masters when they were looking for a priest to volunteer as a chaplain for the Cubbies. What? Yep, uh-huh. 
And uh, what the Catholic Athletes for Christ do is they provide sports-oriented clergy and lay people to serve Catholic athletes, coaches, and staff. So uh, it's a really neat organization. So they have uh, guys who want we want priests and nuns who are oriented towards sports things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I am not that guy. I, <laughs> I would not be uh, good for for gridiron or a baseball diamond chaplaincy. I don't think. I'd be I able would to like say, to, I would love to see it though. Go yeah, go for the sport. <laughs> play the game and play it. Well, I just, yeah, I don't. yeah, if you ever have to give like a locker room talk or something, yes. can we be oh, there? Oh, please. If, if I ever have to give a locker room talk, I'm sure that it'll be on YouTube within five minutes because <laughs> priest fails at locker room talk. Yeah. Decca yeah. in the dugout. That's what it's going to be called. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Don't you love it when Kathleen gets something right and, oh. and, and it kind of pops into yep. her brain and she's like, oh, <laughs> you get this eureka moment. I know I always enjoy that. There it is. Clayton in the chat room who's known me since seminary says yeah no kidding that's right that's right yep yep uh please have a live feed he says well let's get back to father burke shall we i think we should arrange that you you think yeah well i I will say this uh i I have uh, been present at uh, like high school football games and things like that whenever um i've been assigned as the co-chaplain for a school yeah um and i've even enjoyed the sport but I, i don't have a way to to kind of enter into the 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 moment, the, the, the moment of, of the, of the sports activity mm-hmm. and to be able to, I don't know, there, there's something like, a, I can't be fully present to it. Yeah. I try, I get that. Yeah. but it's just, you know, but that's why they have organizations like right. the Catholic yeah. athletes sure. for Christ. Those who are, who are, uh, at least the second thing they're thinking about, uh, is, is playing some sport somewhere. Mm-hmm. So he volunteered as a uh, as a chaplain for the Cubs, and uh, the way that it happened was through the grapevine. They heard that you know, well, hey, this priest plays baseball, and uh, and so he said two things that I love to combine are my minist- in my ministry are my faith and sports. So it was a great opportunity. And having played baseball, he said it couldn't get much better for me. And so you see, there there are priests, and th- this is the way that I love how the Lord uses our gifts and our inclinations and things like that. Is Father played baseball? And so now Father can actually speak the language yeah. to those who play baseball. Um, he says it. Uh, let's see. More than thirty people come to mass before games. So awesome. he says mass at Wrigley Field for both the teams and the staff, and also those who work at the stadium. And of course, you know, um, Catholic uh, Catholic Chicago is a Catholic city. Mm-hmm. So there you go. So uh, f- after Father celebrates mass uh, or during home games that don't occur on Sundays, he goes down to the dugout in the locker room and he just makes himself available. I can imagine that that's probably a very uh, neat thing mm-hmm. uh, for for yeah. uh, folks because you know if you're if you're playing a game and you're having a, a really good season, um, then then the joy comes, the mm-hmm. the high is there. But if yeah. you're working your tail off and and maybe you're not having a good season or you're not performing as well as your coaches think you should. Sometimes having a, a priest available can be very helpful. Yeah. Uh, you know, even if you're not in a, a great place of spiritual crisis, one of the things that I've learned about uh, being a priest in unlikely places like a bookstore or or uh, even at a, a dramatic performance or something, there's something about the presence of the priest that that allows you to, to enter more fully into thing that, the thing that you are doing, mm-hmm. you know. And so he says, uh, let's see, he wears his clerics, so he's, he's in his blacks, as we say, mm-hmm. um, so that he's easily identifiable. Uh, as he walks through the stands, the fans often ask him if he's praying for the team and if he has blessed mm-hmm. the players. <laughs> and uh, he's smart. 
Uh, Father Master says he doesn't pray that the Cubs win, even though he wants them to. He says, what I pray for is that they all play to their ability, and honestly, I don't think God cares who wins. If everybody plays to their ability, usually the best team wins. And he says that it opens up some really nice conversations as well. Um, even though they may not be attending Mass, they know somebody's trying to care for their spiritual needs. And I think mm -hmm. that's really... Well, that's what's great about baseball is there is there is a lot of downtime. There is. That's it's not right. you know like it's not like you're on and off the field all the time. And you know there's I, I can imagine those conversations in the dugout just you know even with Catholic players, non-Catholic players, mm -hmm. um, just talking about life. You know the, the game definitely lends to that time, mm -hmm. right? Just to hang out and shoot the breeze. You know that's I mean? true. Yeah, there is a lot of dugout time yeah. and, and uh, in the batting cage time while you're trying to warm up. It is. It's a, yeah. I know what it is. Do you see what she's doing? I see it. If you're watching the feed, that's I, Kathleen's I laughing at me. All they hear is you getting defensive. I mean, that, um, would, that would be an interesting conversation in the batting cages. I mean, but, you know, hey, with hey. the swinging bats. And, but, yes, that is a possibility. I would be on the other side. I would be on the other side of that cage. There you go. On the uh, other well, side I, of the screen. Hmm? Oh. <laughs> oh, Kathleen knows the lingo. Uh, I'm glad that somebody is schooling me on proper sports terminology. I mean, because well, it's really I netting, but I mean, it is it is it netting, is but it's a screen. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I I can speak. I don't I don't know anything about baseball, Come but on. I can speak to. I am not ashamed. <laughs> I am not ashamed. Look at me. Do I look like I play baseball? Um, but I remember watching um, like during uh, basketball season, college basketball season. You'll see chaplains sometimes sitting with the teams, especially oh, yeah. if it's you know a Catholic affiliated university. Like I think Gonzaga usually mm -hmm. has a chaplain sitting like mm -hmm. on the bench with yeah. the guys. And I always think about you know because sometimes these games can get really intense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If it's like one to two points like it's coming down to the buzzer uh, and it's I, I can imagine from a player's perspective it must be nice to just have that kind of spiritual yeah. comfort knowing mm -hmm. that like I mean it's, it's kind of like the the nun on an airplane phenomena like mm -hmm. that's true you have maybe a false sense of security like everything's gonna be fine sisters here yeah mm -hmm. you know oh, no, I've, had I've had parishioners I've had, I've had plainitioners tell me that plainitioners, yeah. plainitioners. Yeah. well father now that you're here we're good I'm like yeah. well Let's pray that uh, I've been to confession recently, you know, because, yeah, exactly. I'll be, but in, yeah. I'll be in seat 12D if y'all want to. That's right. I'll be in 12D. It's an exit row. So. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll be the one to push you out the plane. That's right. But I love that as a, as a spectator here in, uh, in New Orleans, we have the Saints. Mm -hmm. And um, the owner of the Saints is really good friends with the Archbishop of New Orleans. Mm -hmm. And uh, oftentimes you'll see... You know, we, we, we used to play a game like spot the Archbishop and mm -hmm. spot the Dominicans because they mm -hmm. all, there also were several Dominicans. And spot the seminarians because they usually yeah. find a way. Yeah, mm -hmm. they're all there. <laughs> yeah. And so it's, so that's really cool to see that, you know, and again, in, in their in their clerics, in their habits, mm -hmm. you know, that visual sign, it's National Football League. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, even just to say, hey, see, mm -hmm. I see you, you know. Um, they also have some some popes there, but they're they're not real. No, no, they're <laughs> not exactly anti popes. They're yeah. just not the pope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I think that's that's really one of the beautiful things about the priesthood, and of course, why we and religious sisters dress distinctively yeah. is so that we can show that God is present in the world. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, I am not God, but I stand as one of His representatives. You know, and and that can bring a sense of comfort, but it can also uh, bring a sense of wait a minute, I. I'm supposed to be stepping up to something here. I I, I need to be more sportsmanlike. Mm -hmm. If if the re, if God's representative, if the chaplain is there, the Cubs manager uh, Joe Madden is also practicing Catholic. And as we're going on the air, uh, Fonda in the chat room says the Cubs are playing right now. Well, we yeah. hope that you're doing well, huh? Uh, this past March, um, when Father Masters went to Cubs spring training, 
Madden invited him to practice with the team, and so he got to live some of that baseball dream and practicing oh. with the Cubs. He says, it was while I was on the field and I had tears in my eyes that it really became clear that God was saying, this was your dream, but now you're living mine. Mm, cool. I had the small wow. plan, he said. God wanted me to be a priest and to stay in baseball, which has been so humbling. Uh, he uses this example when he talks to young people about discerning a vocation, telling them that when we're generous to God, we can't outdo him in generosity. I say this all the time. Mm. We can't outdo God in generosity. Uh, he says, and I quote, he's going to bless us in ways we never imagined, unquote. Mm. And that's very true. In fact, in the chat room right now, Father Jonathan Hemelt uh, says, one of my great joys in being a high school chaplain is offering pregame mass each week um, for the football team and joining them on the sideline at the games. And I know Father, Father Hemelt very well. And uh, I can't hold a candle to, to his sportsmanlike conduct. He knows all about football, and I would imagine probably many other sports as well. Um, and, and so, yeah, if, you're, if your uh, gifts lie towards that, to be able to be present, you actually can speak a language even without mm -hmm. saying anything that, that your players can hear, mm -hmm. which is a beautiful thing for mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. And I think it just goes to show, I was having this conversation with someone the other day, that, that God honors the desires of your heart. Absolutely. You know, yeah. like, especially when it comes to answering, like, big V vocations. Mm -hmm. um, he's not trying to get you to take away the things that make you you so you can go live this abstract version of holiness. Like, he wants no. all of you right. incorporated into whatever you do. Mm -hmm. And even if it's ways that you wouldn't have anticipated, like, you know, Father Masters being uh, the chaplain for the Cubs. Right. Yeah. You know, I'm sure that's not something he ever would have said, like, hmm, that's what I'm going to do with my life. Right. But that's what that's what God had planned for him, and it ended up being this perfect marriage yeah. of, of the things, the desires that were in his heart, because God gave them to him. That's right. And uh, and the things that he wanted for himself. That's right. The capital mm -hmm. V vocation and the lowercase v vocation mm -hmm. kind of kind of come together. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. And and that's always worth saying is that the Lord, He made your heart, so of course He knows how it's best going to glorify Him. Mm -hmm. You know. And so we we always uh, are called to to allow God to be generous because he's waiting and he's ready to be generous, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, very good. Yeah, I, I know that um, that whenever it comes to, to, to being asked to kind of step out of your comfort zone to, to do something like this, um, the Lord always has a way of saying, oh, but it's going to be great. Mm -hmm. yeah. just, just keep on moving one step after the other. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, in fact, it's my hope that, uh, that there will be more Catholic priests and religious sisters available to, to do things like this. In fact, um, a little bit Earlier in the chat room, Fran, uh, Stephen says that St. Gregory's, uh, uh, where he lives, just started a Catholics chapter. Cool. Yeah. Catholics. I like Catholics. There you go. Yeah. Kathleen's Catholics. Kathleen's wow. Catholics. Well, yeah. I think on that note, we should just remind you <laughs> of who we are and what we're doing. <laughs> we are the Catholic Underground. You are listening to The Catholic Underground. We are online at catholicunderground.tv. I'm Father Chris Decker, joined by Jeff Blackwell up in space. Olivia Galino is here as well, as is Kathleen Lee. Our picks of the week are coming up, uh, but first, why don't we go over to, to, to Kathleen and, um, and talk a little bit about one of our favorite subjects. Yes. Listening. Listening. <laughs> Not easy to do. No, and something that um, we were talking earlier about, uh, about how we were as children. And, uh, you know, Olivia was like, oh, yeah, you know, I didn't, I didn't, didn't speak a lot. You know, I was, I was very quiet. And I, was, I came here and I was like, oh, I wasn't. <laughs> so, loud. What were you saying? I didn't say a lot of things. I just was loud and, and quite obnoxious. So <laughs> listening for me has been something that, you know, that is, has, I've had to work on a lot. It can be the bane of an extrovert sometimes because we're yes. so used to broadcasting. Yes. And so, yeah. um, but... You know, in 
you know, training to be a leader in, in my school and in my community, um, I've learned that listening is a huge part of being a good leader. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we think of leaders, you know, we think of people who give great motivational speaker speeches, um, who are out there doing things, um, but we, we don't often think of the idea that they, that, a, you know, a good leader is a good listener as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. I guess it makes sense though, because if you think about just the the uh, instance of a, of a chaplain for a sports team, sure. you have to be listening to what's going on in your players' lives. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, you yeah. know, and kind of kind of watching, kind of listening with your eyes and your ears to be able to yeah. speak to the to the situation. So I guess that makes sense. Yeah. So Taylor Barron's Crouch, who is a doctoral candidate in clinical psychology um, at the University of Maryland, says that being a good leader is crucial. To being, I mean, being a great listener, excuse mm-hmm. me, being a good listener is crucial to being a good leader. He says, if we're trying to lead people in a direction that they want, it's absolutely necessary that we understand people's desires and perspectives and thoughts. And listening is necessary to get that information. Mm-hmm. It seems like that would just, you'd know that. But, yeah. But sometimes but you, it takes a doctoral student to say, yeah. this Some, is important. Sometimes <laughs> the simplest things are the things that we forget about the most. So yeah. how do we do that? How do we become a great listener? Well, Number Here are one. six easy steps. <laughs> listen to because us. Because we do love we, we do love our lists around here. That's right. So and we one, love that you listen to them yes. too. Yeah. Uh, to number one, they practice being truly mindful. Oh, there's one of those phrases that we That's hear that, a lot. Mm, yeah. Those millennials and their beverages mm. and their mindfulness. <laughs> <Beverages>. <laughs> <laughs> But mindfulness is yeah. not necessarily something that's divorced from, no, yeah. right. from, from our Catholic life. So right. being present to yeah. hear what the speaker is saying is essential to being a good listener. Mm-hmm. Right? This idea of being present. Because we all know that in my mind right now, I've got a million, I'm planning a Hallmark movie. I'm planning <laughs> my is, lesson plans. Mm-hmm. Crazy things are going on. And if somebody were talking to me, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But to be present, while, right? while most of us know it's rude uh, to pick up our cell phones, to respond to a text or check email while engaging in a conversation, um, avoiding internal distractions are much more difficult, right? I can, you can talk to me all you want, and I know that on the surface to pick up my phone is a no-no. So I'm mm-hmm. just gonna mm-hmm. fight that urge, but that doesn't mean that what's going on under the surface is still in calm, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, Crouch says if you're really mindful, you're in the moment. You're focusing on what the other person is saying and avoiding the natural inclination and temptation to judge predict and evaluate and that's not easy to do no. that's probably as a, as a professional listener kind of like a teacher would be right sure. uh, it's really hard to do because our minds are always trying to evaluate you know right and i think really when we talk about mindfulness uh we we might be able to just simply to to, to, to say it's it's being present in the moment sure. mm-hmm. to allowing everything that i am to be present which is why we're supposed to be mindful mm-hmm. when we're participating at mass and mm-hmm. things like that right? right so being fully present and reserving all the processes in our brain, right. you're saying, is what helps to be Right, yeah, and to avoid getting distracted even by our own thoughts. Mm-hmm. You know, anything that's going on, right? Pay careful attention to the thoughts swimming around in your head while listening to someone else, mm-hmm. right? Are you thinking about the dinner you're cooking tonight? Are you thinking about uh, what you're gonna catch up on with on Netflix? Are you thinking about what's next? Um, you know, if so, you're not mindfully listening. Mm-hmm. So or if you anticipate the next thing they're gonna sure. tell you, too. Yeah. yeah. Which is what you're going to talk about later on. <laughs> Number two, uh, they take a pause before responding, mm-hmm. right? In order to avoid awkward silences and gaps in conversations, right, often we will formulate our response to someone while they're still speaking, right? Um, this, I do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Crouch says that Guilty. this gets in the way of effective listening. Instead, take a pause after the speaker is finished to think about your response. Mm-hmm. I used to have, um, there's a priest here in, uh, 
in Baton Rouge that I worked with when I was in, in high school ministry. And I would, you know, okay, Father, blah, 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 blah. And then he'd be like, mm, mm-hmm. And I'd be like, <laughs> Give us the answer now. <laughs> but he, he was doing just that. He was processing what I was, had, mm-hmm. say, had said. Right? Krauss says, if we want to think uh, thoughtfully about what someone is saying, that pause can be really important to collect our thoughts and prepare what we want to say. Mm-hmm. Right? Doing all that while the other person is speaking means you've inevitably missed something they've said. Mm-hmm. I do that all the time. Yeah. Like I'm already like, oh, yeah. This they've already said this, and I'm already fixing their problem. Mm-hmm. And then by the time they're done, I say this, and they're like, "Yeah, but that didn't really you didn't you didn't listen not, to the other half." Okay, yeah. Um, so yeah, so so listen and then respond mm-hmm. um, to be able to listen completely to what they've said. So that's number two. Uh, number three, they paraphrase what was just said. As a teacher with who teaches all girls. Mm-hmm. I have to do this Mm -hmm. Um, and I've gotten so much better at it okay so what happens is to ensure that you're interpreting the speaker's information correctly right a good listener will practice what's called reflective listening Mm -hmm. right which means that they avoid responding right away and instead paraphrase what you've just said Mm -hmm. right so you can use phrases like so what I'm hearing you hearing you say is that you're upset about this right and it gives the person who's speaking an opportunity to say exactly Mm -hmm. or no, yeah. Yeah, and th- like with uh, with experience teaching all girls, it could go either way, <laughs> right? Most of the times, I say exactly what they just said, and they're like, "You have no idea." And I'm like, <laughs> but I'm you just sorry, said. Right? Right. <laughs> reflective listening not only shows the speaker that you're truly engaged and in, in, and interested in understanding what they're saying, but avoids the opportunity for misunderstanding as well, right? right? Mm-hmm. So, so when you say what I think you're saying is this, what I hear you saying is this. Mm-hmm it validates that you've listened to what they've said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes I'll say, help me understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I, I then maybe can paraphrase what I've heard them say. And sometimes that can help them to unpack things a little bit yeah. better too. Well, yeah. And they hear it back for themselves. And sometimes like my girls will be like, oh, yeah, that sounds kind of I got mean, crazy mouth. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Hey, I mean, I, we can I go get, from here. I heard you're right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Number four, um, good listeners have an open mind, right? Mm-hmm. How many times have you gone into a meeting with someone thinking you know exactly how the conversation is going to go? Um, maybe you've already had the conversation in your head before you've even given the other person a chance to speak, right? Great listeners go into conversation with an authentic desire to understand, mm-hmm. right? Rather than a preconceived notion or judgment about what the other person is going to say. Right? Kraut says we tend to think that we understand where people are coming from before they even start speaking. Mm-hmm. And great listeners, she says, has a willingness to be humble and accept that they don't know what someone else is thinking, even if that someone else is as close to us as our spouse yeah. or our parents mm-hmm. or a sibling or a best friend. Right? Great listeners, Crouch says, let's go of assumptions and puts themselves in a position of being curious and open to hearing what the other person has to say. Mm-hmm. Right? How many times do we go back and forth over email or text message, right? And we're like, oh, I already know, like, this is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And then we sit down with somebody face to face and it's like, oh, we hear the emotion in their voice or right. uh, we, we see the look as they're trying to explain something. And we go, man, I, I didn't know the whole story. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think sometimes, not as a defense mechanism, but just to make sure that I'm not broadsided. Mm-hmm. Sometimes if I know I'm going to be meeting with somebody and I'm supposed to be the listener, I'll begin to formulate what they could be coming to me to speak about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I'll have all of these preconceived notions mm-hmm. before I even come to the meeting. Mm-hmm. And and if I'm not careful, I'll want to, to actually start leading the conversation yeah. in that direction, even though they're coming to me 
um, expecting me to the, be the blank slate, and I really should be, yeah. because I don't, I mean, if they say, Father, I'd like to come talk to you, you go, oh, okay, mm -hmm. and then my brain tries to start organizing why would they, what is it possibly mm -hmm. that they want to talk about. Sometimes they'll give you a little a little bone and say, Father, I'd like to talk to you about, and you go, yeah. okay, sure. Mm -hmm. I find that more helpful, but yes. as, as a professional listener, you don't always have that uh, that ability to, to ask, yeah. you know, and please so to, do that though. Please don't ever, I could do that all the time. Miss Lee, can I meet with you yeah. uh, about, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm that's right. I am now nervous. Yeah. <laughs> all right. The number, number five step to being a good, a great, a good, a good, great listener. A good, great uh, listener. Is those people are comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah. Now listening can be challenging and uncomfortable, mm -hmm. right? Sometimes we're, uh, we're forced to hear things that we don't agree with or that we have no idea what they're talking about, or it's super emotionally charged, right? Uh, we have a desire to step away from that discomfort by defending ourselves or offering our viewpoint, um, but resisting the urge to interpret is a critical skill for a good listener to adopt, mm -hmm. right? So, so even if it's something that you don't agree with, even if it's something that, you know, you're in a fight with somebody and you have to hear things that you've done wrong, mm -hmm. um, or uh, you're going to a meeting with your, um, with your employer, Right. And they um, are, are evaluating you or saying, you know, this isn't working or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like we have a tendency to put up defenses and say, well, no, that's not true, mm -hmm. you know, or mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, but to be able to be open. Right. To that uncomfortableness and, and to be able to be a sounding board. Right. right? And number six, they're aware of their body language. Y'all, this is huge. <laughs> we do not know how to like. Uh, I don't know uh, if you're listening to us on the radio. Uh, let's be aware of Kathleen's body language. Yes. She's exasperated. I am exasperated, right? <laughs> the way that you position your physical self lets the speaker know whether you're engaged in the conversation, whether you're open to it at all, mm -hmm. right? When actively listening, right, you lean slightly forward, mm -hmm. right? You don't lean back in your chair. Make eye contact with the person, which is, is uncomfortable in this day and age, mm -hmm. right? To look at somebody in the eye is not something that we are comfortable with. Right. But when you do, you give that person a sense of security and saying, I'm, I'm with you. Mm -hmm. I'm hearing. I want to hear what you had to say. Right. right. And give the an, uh, occasional nod. Like, yeah, I hear you. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like body language that you should avoid is like and it is so simple, but we do it all the time. Like we cross our, our arms or we cr even crossing your legs can mm -hmm. be like I'm closed off to this conversation. I'm leaning, making a physical barrier with my yeah, body. Leaning yeah. back in your chair, staring off into space. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I know because. I, I use these, right? <laughs> when somebody comes at me, right, my body language changes drastically. And it's something that, that personally I've had to, to practice, mm -hmm. right? Because automatically when I get defensive, my body gets defensive, mm -hmm. right? So when we want to listen to somebody, we lean in, and we're not all up in their face, yeah. right? <laughs> but you're just leaning a little bit, you know, slightly forward. Your arms are open, mm -hmm. right? They, they, get, they don't have to be like wide open with, you know. It's not a creed Come song. and hug me, no, <laughs> right? But you're, you're, your body says what you want to say with, with yourself. You know, yeah. I'm listening. I'm open. I'm right. I'm here for you. Mm -hmm. Whatever you have to say. So those are just six easy steps. Um, you know, practice being a good listener. And and imagine in the next week or so, I want you to look for for opportunities where you're not maybe being a good listener. Mm. Um, and look for opportunities to put these these steps into practice. It's homework now. Yeah, yeah <laughs> Kathleen Lee gives us homework. We are the Catholic <laughs> Underground. Stay right where you are. We'll be right back. A prayer for vocations. O oh God, who wills not the death of a sinner, 
but rather that he be converted and live, grant we beseech you through the intercession of the Blessed Mary, Ever Virgin, Saint Joseph her spouse, and all the saints, an increase of laborers for your church, fellow laborers with Christ, to spend and consume themselves for souls. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Oh yes, welcome back. You found the Catholic Underground with me, Father Chris Decker, joined by Olivia Galino, the Kathleen Lee. Yeah, I am. <laughs> Jeff Blackwell's up in space. You talking to me? <laughs> I'm talking to you. <laughs> yeah. Our picks of the week are up next. But first, uh, one of the often things that we receive as priests uh, is questions about spiritual direction. Yeah. Uh, lay folks ask all the time. Uh, other seminarians ask, you know, what is spiritual director? What that is. Mm-hmm. What is spiritual direction? Why should you get one? What's that all about? Yeah. And it's, you know, it's something that we've actually uh, talked about, like, on the show recently, and people have been like, yeah, you should talk about that. And so we what? are. Yeah. We listened. Yeah. We're here for you. We did listen. We have practiced like, our listening skills. Like my transition there. I see what you did. Um, thank you. <laughs> but, I mean, to be honest, I, I was in college before I realized that, A, spiritual direction was a thing, mm-hmm. B, that it was something that anyone could do, and it wasn't just for super holy people or people who were, like, required to do it because of their vocation in life and see that it was a viable option for me right then and there and not before the age of 50. Yeah. So those were all things that I had to come to realize by the time I was about 22 and graduating and being like, oh yeah, I should uh, I should be thinking about that. But do you think that, that most 22-year-olds even think about spiritual direction? No. No. What's interesting though, I feel like I feel like there's waves of like rediscovery of things in the mm-hmm. church, especially mm-hmm. young yeah. among mm-hmm. young Catholics. Yeah, I, I will say that and a lot of young Catholics have asked me about that than than I have experienced in in quite a while. Yeah, because I mean, ten years ago, like when I I think you know honestly, it's it's a cultural thing. So like when I was in in high school and and getting into college, no one was talking about spiritual direction, mm-hmm. and so there was just kind of it wasn't in the cultural milieu. If yeah. no one was talking about it, no one knew about it, and it was kind of that thing that remained elite or obscure and we just didn't know about it mm-hmm. um, but now I feel like it's coming into vogue a little bit um, and in the not in like the the shallow sense but in the sense of we're rediscovering the beauty of the church and the things that are available to us mm-hmm. um, and and that's the thing that we do is we ask tons of questions and if we can't find things on Google we're gonna go to the man in the collar and be like hey what's up with that <laughs> um, clerical Google clerical Google. I mean the search the search tab is right here right there in the right, middle of my neck yeah. right in your mm-hmm. jugular mm-hmm. I mean don't you feel like that sometimes when people ask you questions I do so. and, and it's it's usually you know uh, the the Google search is almost always one of those I'm feeling lucky things where mm-hmm. they say father I've always wondered about and I'm thinking again this is me Trying to be a good listener, but at the same time pulling up the Rolodex so yeah. that I so that there's no real huge awkward pause, and it's always like, well, what fif- what top fifty thing are you going to ask yeah. me about? You know, mm-hmm. I've gotten to witness some pretty interesting. I'm feeling lucky priest questions, mm-hmm. like just being adjacent to the conversation. Like one time, oh, you it mean was, with me? <laughs> well, wait, just yeah, absolutely with you. But I remember it, it wasn't you this one time. I was at an engagement party of all places, and one person comes that's usually up to, where it happens. Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. So one one of my friends comes up to this priest that I was talking to, and he's like, "All right, Father, I have this question about Leviticus." Oh, <laughs> and he's like, wow. um, <laughs> "He's like, he asked the question. I can't remember the exact nature of it right now, but it had something to do with goat." 
goats and hooved animals. Oh. And I was just like, how long have you been sitting on that one? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and this right. is the and, prime and, opportunity. And Google couldn't help you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 But anyway, rounding back to the point here, <laughs> the Catholic underground. Um, so spiritual direction is one of those things that can be a little elusive because I feel like it's still coming into popularity. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we're still trying to get information just on a basic level of mm-hmm. I'm, you know, Joe Schmo Catholic or Jane Schmo Catholic. And I just want to know what it is and how to pursue it. If that's right. something that I feel called sure. to. Yeah. Um, and really, you know, the... Um, Brother Rex Anthony Norris um, from the Coming Home Network, um, he wrote a really interesting uh, kind of synopsis of what spiritual direction is. And he makes a good point that, you know, when you think about holy men and women, when you think about the communion of saints, um, whether they're officially canonized or whether they're, they're, they live in obscurity, but, um, but they still exist in that communion, um, he says that they have three things that we can say that they share in common. So number one, maybe you might think it's kind of obvious, but it's really true. They have a deep and abiding relationship with the person of Jesus Christ. Yes. Mm -hmm. Number two, not only have they submitted their will and their life to Jesus uh, and his lordship, but they've fully embraced the gift of their baptism, um, the thing that makes them um, endowed members of of the body of Christ, that that has baptized them into eternal life. They have Um, received their wedding garments, and they mm -hmm. wish to wear it proudly. So topical for the readings today. Mm -hmm. Um, and then number three, um, they realized that in order to maintain and to grow in that relationship that was established at baptism um, and his and with Christ and his church, they each sought out spiritual direction. Yeah. Um, and basically, that's just saying, like, I've been I've been giving given a gift and I'm going to pursue it. I'm going to take care of it. And that means I got to know what, how to how to treat it, how to take care of right. it. Sure. Like, I mean, it's a horrible metaphor, but, you know, it's like you get a puppy and it's like, I don't know how to care for an animal. This thing's alive. I could kill it. <laughs> and so, or like for me, yeah. like growing plants. Mm. And sometimes I'm like, I don't, I bought it because it was pretty. And now I don't know how to, uh-huh. how to not kill it. Mm-hmm. So I have to read about, yeah. you know, how to take care of it. And, and that, and I consult people, you know, I'll go talk to a master gardener or someone who really knows what they're doing. And that's what spiritual direction is. It's, it's consulting with someone who, um, who can be trusted with that discipline of spirituality and can help lead you deeper into that relationship. Right. Um, so, I mean, really that, like that's in essence what spiritual direction is. You know, you can say it's this discipline through which a person, um, explores and deepens their relationship with God, the father, the son, the Holy spirit. Um, and, and the way that that unfolds is through really just conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's very non-threatening, um, because it's with, you know, it, it's someone who is, in, if it's a priest in the persona Christi in the person of Christ, um, but it's also someone who's who's on a spiritual journey, um, mm-hmm. because it's another human being, and we're all just trying to do the best we can. So it's not you're not talking to perfection him or herself, and, oh, no. and realizing mm, I just don't measure up. So let's work on how to fill these gaps. Mm-hmm. It's this is what's helped in my experience. Mm-hmm. Here's some things that might help you. It's always like the the notion uh, that that the spiritual director which we'll talk about in a second, but the, the spiritual director is this guru who has a, a, who has mastered the nine magics, you know, and who sits at the top of this echelon and, and there's no farther up to go, right? Yeah, right. Uh, but that's actually not the concept that we have of, mm-hmm. of spiritual direction, that, that even the director, him or herself as the mm-hmm. case may be, um, that the spiritual director is also uh, attempting to, to come to know the mm-hmm. Lord more deeply, you know. Yeah. Uh, and so I would say that, that a, a good spiritual director is one who realizes that they themselves must be directed, yeah. you know. 
Yeah. Sorry, you just now you put it in my head this image of you like on this floor pillow from like anthropology or something <laughs> like levitating. Oh, you, you've seen my office then, have you? <laughs> yeah, for rug. Not no. Yeah, yeah. coffee cup. I, no, there's no there's no rug actually mm. in my office. Mm. Well, we need to rectify that. Now yeah. we can get Post one. Taste. Yeah. Amazon. Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kathleen's been railing about a lot of uh, a lot of rug and mug related oh, yes. photographs. Rug. You're the rug and mug. Thugs. Mug on a rug. Mm. <laughs> okay, but so, okay. I digress. We were talking about spiritual direction here on the Catholic Underground, <laughs> yes. and now a spiritual director. What is a spiritual director? Right. Yeah. So when you're looking for that kind of spiritual direction, just wanting to grow in um, knowledge of God, but also that personal experience. Right. Because it's kind of two things, right? Yeah. It's not just uh, your 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 walk, mm-hmm. but also there is a deepening in in the what of belief. Right. And who Jesus is, who He reveals Himself. Uh, mm-hmm. to be through scripture through through the church mm-hmm. and then how that revelation mm-hmm. uh, is is impacting my life in a personal way right because there's a relationship with the word made flesh there's a relationship with the eternal word mm-hmm. and so spiritual direction is kind of taking the big the big uh, paintbrush and then seeing how the Lord is using that little fine liner mm-hmm. to specifically inscribe on your heart right uh, that relationship. That's why I think it's so important, too, is because it takes things that can seem abstract. You know, um, it's like going on a retreat that's, you know, populated by 30 other people. And there's one retreat master and he has, you know, 10 slots of 10 minutes each that you can meet with him. You know, it's like, how do I make this retreat a personal experience? Well, I'm going to do the best I can because father's busy and there, you know, the the sign up sheet is already full. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's kind of what it's like in the spiritual life is how do I make this personal? How do I make this mine? Um, And and I think that's one of the, the great gifts of spiritual direction is because it's really about, okay, so the Holy Spirit, yes, it's true that the Holy Spirit works in everyone's life. How does he work in yours? Mm-hmm. Um, and especially just evaluating that kind of day-to-day experience, not like those big mountaintop experiences, mm-hmm. although those are, are very important, but looking at, okay, well, thinking about the past week, yeah. how, how have you, have you, how have you experienced God? Mm-hmm. How have you felt him to be absent? You know, and just kind of going through those things because, you know, when we say that God is in a personal relationship with us, that's true. That's real. It is. Yeah. Um, and, and that means th- that it's going to be dynamic like any kind of relationship, mm-hmm. but it also takes some, some retrospection and some introspection to say like, oh, okay, well, what am I doing in this relationship? And, and I think that's where the director comes right. in because if we're left to our own devices, uh, we can kind of misinterpret the motions, the movements of the Holy Spirit. Right. Um, St. Ignatius would talk about it, right? That there are periods of consolation where we are very much aware of the activity of God and periods of desolation where uh, kind of kind of like the orbit of, of the earth and the moon, it's not always completely mm-hmm. uh, circular. The orbit of the earth around the sun is kind of ovular. There are times in which it's closer to the planet and times where it's not. And, and uh, whenever we're in a period of desolation, the Lord is not gone, right? But He's kind of taking the training wheels off, and sometimes we can we can experience that taking of the training wheels off of our spiritual life as, oh, I'm I don't know what's what's happening mm-hmm. here, and so to be able to have somebody that can walk through those moments, right? Somebody right. who uh, who wants to accompany us, right? Basically. 
Yeah, and that's that's really the point of a spiritual director is someone to walk with you through those those good moments uh, and all those con- consoling moments, and also those ones where we feel a little bit on our own. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's you know that goes back to just community, how important community is in, in living the faith. Mm-hmm. Um, but especially someone who can speak to those more intimate um, moments of our heart, those more intimate um, kind of characteristics of our relationship with God. Right. Um, and so and really you know accompanying is is first and foremost in in spiritual direction and what the director um, has as his responsibility, um, but also to hold you accountable. Yeah. Um, you know, let's say that you've kind of drilled down to this one thing that you need to be doing in prayer, uh, or at least trying, um, you know, this is the person who's going to who's gonna call you up or text you right. and be like, oh, right. how's it going? That's right. So the yeah. how's that half a decade working for you? Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and what, the beautiful thing about that is, um, you know, that's just a, a something that we need in general and yeah. but it's assigning that that role to someone specifically mm-hmm. and saying like okay you're going to keep me accountable because I trust you yeah uh, and and this is I, I recognize that this is what I need to grow it's um, funny as you look as you look at kind of the secular search for spiritual direction I think this is why uh, a lot of gymnasia mm-hmm. are, are using uh, essentially kind of a spiritual direction model mm-hmm. in fact even the names of some gyms kind of give you this sense that that, that you're going to be part of this uh, this seeking community. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the, 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 the head coach or whatever at the gym takes the part of the guru. Right. And, and you all just kind of hang on, on the word or the exercise or whatever. Um, well, essentially, this is what the church has been doing for over 2,000 years mm-hmm. in spiritual direction. But everything, rather than being directed towards the, the training of the body... It's towards the training of of the soul, you mm-hmm. know, because because the soul, even though it is created by God, it's the presence of concupiscence that mm-hmm. causes things to be disordered within it, right? Mm-hmm. And so and so, um, it is the work of the spiritual director to kind of help us sort through those things going on in our soul and mm-hmm. realizing what what is a movement of God and what isn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and that's the the point of any kind of discipline. You know, we're talking about sports earlier and we're talking about spiritual discipline now, but really the point is to to be challenged and to meet the challenge or to, to be challenged and to make steps, concrete steps, um, that you can ac- accomplish in order to reach that goal. Right. Um, and, and that's, you know, the spiritual director is there to do is to challenge you and then to walk with you as you, you know, hike that mountain, mm-hmm. um, whatever that looks like spiritually speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, because the, the point is discipleship, you know, like if we want to be better disciples, um, we need help. And we need someone to encourage us. We need someone to challenge us to say like, okay, like this is going to be a really steep hill, but you got this one. Yeah. Um, and then to, to keep going. Um, yeah. So even after you reach a milestone to say like, okay, I'm still here. What can we do next? Because as you know, Kathleen, a disciple is come from the word meaning discipline. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's right. And, and learning those disciplines uh, are, are very, very important. That's right. You got that, Jeff, over there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. There you go. Yeah, and like we talked about earlier, you know, a spiritual director is someone who who helps us to notice when God is present in our mm-hmm. life um, and his activity in our life and to be able to put a name to it and say, oh, yeah, that really was. Because otherwise, maybe those moments go a little unnoticed. Yeah, and I found in spiritual direction uh, that, that there are things that I'm ready to kind of gloss over that the director goes, wait, 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 no. Yeah. You didn't see how God was present here? 
Well, let me let me open up this the the petals of this flower for you to, mm-hmm. to show you a little bit more about how the Lord was present in that moment. Yeah, yeah it's like the whole footprints. <laughs> oh, you know, yeah. I'm sorry. I know I've, I've sat on it for a minute. I was it's, like, Ugh. it's but etched on a t- piece of wood yeah. in everyone's home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But they can bathroom. see. They see. They they have like the aerial view. You know, I think about those people who get lost in the wilderness and they were so close. Mm. They were like so close to to like civilization mm-hmm. but they couldn't see through the the woods and the devastation that they were in mm-hmm. to see the other side or where they had come from yeah you know the spiritual director i feel has this aerial view yeah you know? absolutely and it should, yeah so when you're thinking about okay well now i've gotten a little primer for what spiritual direction is now who do i ask you mm-hmm. know uh, and the catechism actually gives us some good direction about who's equipped to be a spiritual director um you know because let's be honest it's not just going to be like the cashier at the grocery store, like bless bless their hearts, but it's just you know you need mm-hmm. someone who's equipped to actually. Uh, and the cashier would probably be like, "Why are they asking me?" Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to ring up the grocery. Right. <laughs> um, gosh, this is a ten items or less. I mean, I don't know what you want from me. <laughs> is this, is I'm on item eleven. Five. Better hurry up. <laughs> <laughs> Kathleen Lee. Grocery spiritual director. I think we have a web series. Oh my God. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta, I can't. I gotta do my Hallmark movie first. That's spiritual true. direction. Swiss <laughs> wrestling. That can be like the Swiss the short my before heart. your movie. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Keep talking. I got stuff moving in my brain. I can't listen very well. All right. Well, let's go to the catechism, shall we? This is paragraph twenty six ninety. If you're following along at home, um, let me flip. <laughs> so they basically just talks about the gift of spiritual direction because thinking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, um, the gift of discernment very much is one, and that's something that you want your spiritual director mm-hmm. to have. Yes. Um, uh, so when you you're thinking about men and women who are endowed um, as true servants of the living tradition of prayer, um, and the Catechism quotes John of the Saint John of the Cross. Um, uh, he says that the person wishing to advance toward perfection, because that's what the point of the spiritual life is, is we're all in a state of becoming, and we're mm-hmm. becoming what perfect. Yes, um, that person should take into should take care into whose hands he entrusts himself. For as the master is, so will the disciple be. And as the father is, so will be the son. Mm. Um, so when you're looking for a spiritual director, you're looking for someone that you maybe would hope to emulate or someone that you see in them good spiritual working. You see mm. someone maybe who struggles, but who who sticks with it, who meets those challenges um, in a way that's almost similar to you. Um, that's something else that, that's recommended is to, to look for someone who has a similar spirituality. Mm-hmm. You know, like if, you, if you're kind of Franciscan and you, you're thinking about asking someone to be your spiritual director and maybe they're a little more Ignatian, Maybe think about that. Mm-hmm. It might work. It also might not because it, you talk about speaking a language, you know, right. uh, there's a language of the heart that's very, not like the love languages, but like there's a language of the heart when it yes. comes to spirituality that's important to pay attention to. Yeah. It's not to say that any one p- particular spirituality is better than the other. It's what's, what am I more suited to? What yeah. is the language that God is speaking to right. me? Right. As in? I often say, it's kind of like there are different frequencies for, for each heart. You know, oh, the yes, Lord, the Lord knows the correct frequency for mm-hmm. the heart that he made. Yeah. And it, it does differ. Uh, because we do have a, a, a different series of gifts that we've been given yeah. and different ways to express those gifts. And, and mm-hmm. so that's important to note, as you say. It's important to note also that the Holy Spirit gives to certain of the faithful mm-hmm. the right. gifts of wisdom, faith, and discernment. Mm-hmm. And so not everybody mm-hmm. is qualified uh, or even a good idea to be a spiritual director. It's just, yeah. it's, it's not like, oh, well, that's too bad. But they're just, the gifts are not, they don't lie there. Yeah. And I mean, I think the best thing that you can be told if you ask someone to be the, your spiritual director and he tells you no 
That might be a good thing because they're very aware. Like I don't, I'm not. It means that some level of discernment is taking place. Yeah, like I know enough to say that I shouldn't be in charge of someone else's soul, Mm -hmm. but I can show you who I'm gonna gonna send you to. Or that they just don't they don't they don't have the time to to give to you, Um, which is so. I mean, I appreciate that way more than somebody who says, "Uh, yeah, I'll add you to the list," you know, Mm -hmm. rather than somebody say, "I just I can't give you the time," Mm -hmm. you know. It's true, and and as a priest of three parishes, I've had to do that for. Yeah. Many, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, because this isn't a one and done kind of deal. You know, when you when no. you're thinking about it, what what, do you, what can you expect? You know, it's usually a one on one meeting. So you meet in person. You are taking time out of someone's day, and, and you're giving them their your time as well. Um, but it, it's one on one. It can last maybe an hour, maybe longer. Um, it's usually about once a month, and then mm-hmm. you know you check in periodically. Um, you know, maybe over the phone or um, video conferencing as is. Yeah, and I'll tell you, I've I've done Skype spiritual direction once or twice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it usually hasn't lasted well because there are certain cues that it's it's nearly impossible to pick up on. I know folks who Mm -hmm. do it and it works well. Um, and, and maybe that's something that you would talk to your potential spiritual director about whether or not that would be something that you'd be comfortable with. Yeah. Uh, because I find I personally, Father Chris Decker verbal signature i find <laughs> i find it very difficult to do over uh over the mm-hmm. phone or over yeah. the internet or over video chat yeah well especially because like we were talking about earlier with listening that includes body language and if you can only see someone's face or what about like what if the person's crying or mm-hmm. you know it's just you, you all really i can do is pat to, the screen yeah yeah like like you really need to be in that moment to just be in the presence of that moment and you can't because i'm in my living room you're in your office we're 80 miles apart Mm -hmm. you know it's just you can't really enter into that like um that discipleship as easier as easily as if you were sitting in the same room um and so if you're worried about like oh well you know is he gonna is he gonna tell everyone about the things that i talked about no no he's not um usually we can't even remember it <laughs> I mean, that's also you know, true I, I it's funny how how part of the 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 gift works um not that i'm saying i'm particularly gifted as a spiritual director but it, it's it's kind of like the in the confessional where the lord gives the gift of being able to completely just have the memory obliterated right. from mm-hmm. the moment I walk out of the confessional. Yeah. Um, a person will come to me for spiritual direction, and then uh, a month will pass. And I mean, every now and then maybe something will pop into my head so that I'll pray for my directee. But then it isn't until they come back that all of a sudden, like the file yeah. mm-hmm. comes back up, and I go, oh, "Okay, that's right. They were working on this and this and this and this." It's really something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that'll still be there when I'm eighty. I, so. I very much yes i can anticipate that <laughs> you Absolutely. think so I, yeah you think my brain i have be... no doubt that oh, okay. the only time you're ever going to shut down is when it's the final shutdown sorry yeah that's what i was going to we are the catholic underground <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so if, the, if spiritual direction is something that you've thought about um and maybe it's been on your heart maybe you've been wanting to pick up the phone and call father so-and-so and say hey will you meet with me and try this out just on a trial basis Take this as a little encouragement that um, even if it's one and done or it's one and then he tells you to go to someone else, um, that the Lord uh, appreciates that effort and, and the desire um, to please the Lord is, in fact, pleasing to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, so so consider finding a spiritual director um, and, and continuing that growth and discipline um, all for the sake of Christ and his kingdom. Yeah, I found I um, it wasn't until a good friend of mine, Matt, told me one time we were doing ministry. He was like, who's your spiritual director? And I was like, a what, what? My, my who now? And he looked at me and he was like, like. Matt Bergeret, he stopped in his tracks and looked at me and goes, 
how do you do what you do mm-hmm. without a spiritual director? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> and so I found one who, who actually is, he's very opposite of me, mm-hmm. um, which I, which I find works really well. Um, because, because if somebody's just loud yeah. or, and like boisterous then then it's competition time for me, <laughs> but he's, he is very like thoughtful and listens and it's quiet, you know? And I, I was thinking, you know, as I was reading about this, about the first time that I went, I was like, look, I mean, I'm not really like emotional and all this kind of stuff. So I'm not really sure. And like an hour later, I'm like in my eighth box of tissue <laughs> like, and my life. And he, and he, he literally, I finished and I was like, okay. And he was like, mm. <laughs> and I was like, Mm-hmm. you know but he's an excellent listener yeah. you know um so yeah there you go so, so lest you be concerned about confidentiality mm-hmm. the meetings with the spiritual director are normally held in the strictest strictest right. of confidence mm-hmm. um uh, unless of course you're going to harm yourself or others right. in which case yeah it doesn't I mean, have the same seal yeah, as it, it does not have the confessional seal right. unless of course you do spiritual direction in the confessional yeah, right. uh, in which case it would yeah. you know um so you have to consider those sorts of things as well um, yeah, so be a saint, right? What right. else is there? Right. And spiritual direction is a way to do that. All right, Jeff, fire up the big old CU satellite because it's time for that part of the show that we like to call the CU Pick of the Week. Yes, my friends, it is time for the CU Pick of the Week. Kathleen, go. Yes. Okay, so um, I was in the bookstore the other day um, and I picked up a little book. A little book. About a little soul, and I and I read it. It's not that book. It's not a little book. No, well, that's oh, not. It's not oh, this book. And I read it, and I'm at a point in my life where it was full of happiness and cheer and joy, and um, I thought, oh, this is very nice, and I loved it, and it was it was delightful. Um, but at some point, I went, mm, it's a little too syrupy for mm-hmm. me. So, which brought me back to the book I was reading before that, which is almost very opposite, but it's mm-hmm. uh, it's a man of the Beatitudes about Pierre Giorgio Frassati, written oh, yeah. by his own sister Luciana. Oh, cool. And um, I'm reading it, and I'm like, yes, yes, <laughs> because she's talking about her parents and the struggles that they had, and the struggles that they had growing up, and the struggles between her and her brother, and between her brother and his friends, and and it's it's real. Mm-hmm. Like there's mm-hmm. a there is a underlying um, sadness to it, which which. Um, kind of shocks me because you look at his life and you know he he's always has a huge smile on his face and he's always portrayed as someone who's very happy and like he was rich and uh, but um there's a, a reality to it um, and I'm, I'm, I haven't read it completely I'm I'm probably about 50 or 60 pages in um, but it's excellent and it, cool. it's just excellent to hear from somebody who lived with so close to with the guy yeah, yeah. not a, not a historical you know report mm-hmm. but a historical account mm-hmm. uh firsthand of what by a family so, member yeah so a, a man of of the beatitudes pierre giorgio frassati very cool mm-hmm. all right olivia yeah so staying in the same cultural milieu uh mm-hmm. i i have recently i bought this for uh a recipe this is uh medaglia d'oro mm-hmm. and it's uh instant espresso and yes, instant espresso powder. instant espresso powder so when i was in italy i would see this like when i would travel in hostels and um and hotels and stuff well i never stayed in a hotel in hostels <laughs> and and i'd be like why that's so disgusting why would you why would you do that you take something so beautiful and put it in a powder form and expect me to drink that <laughs> 
No, it's delicious. Um, <laughs> and not like, not in the way that you might be thinking about. It. You just got to try it. Um, so that's why I love this stuff because it's not very expensive. Um, and all you need, all you need is just a little bit of hot water. So you put like a teaspoon of this in, uh, in a coffee cup and then, you know, I think it's six ounces just however strong you want it let's be real um and then so i'll make like my own cappuccinos or um lattes or whatever with this or i'll just drink it straight um it's also fun to cook with um but it's a cheap way to have espresso because like i have an espresso machine um and it brings me back to that like that <laughs> cheaper Little. taste of italy <laughs> <laughs> the more economical the poor people taste of italy, of italy. <laughs> well, there you go hey, where but, do you find that olivia just out of curiosity uh, i think i bought this at a local grocery store oh, okay um but it is on amazon you can buy it in a three-pack okie dokie there you yes, go. the sears of our time <laughs> uh jefferton uh, not to be confused with olivia but olivino Oh. Oh. Olivina is a. Uh, my wife gave me this as a gift. It's a, it's a body wash, uh-huh. and it comes in a tube. But I got to tell you, it is. It's not like the faddish uh, stuff that you see advertised on TV. It no. kind of makes you think like, of you know, like you got hit in the face with a sandalwood pl- plank. Uh, yeah, but I mean, this is this is it's. it's, it's I don't know how to describe it. Um, oh, uh, but I it's, like mystery um, shampoo. Yeah, it's a little bit wash. of a, a cedar. Uh, okay, yeah, bourbon. Yes, uh, vanilla. All things I like, and. Um, how about um, um, basil? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm little, t- it's little, just a, it's very unique and uh, it's it's not loud, perfumey. Nice. Uh, nine bucks a tube, and a little goes a long way. You can find it at Target and places like that. So that's yeah. it. I'll show notes there. Oh, Thank right. you, honey. Yeah. <laughs> nice. My, my uh, pick of the week is, uh, of course, you know, uh, I'm doing Inktober, right? Yeah. So I'm, yeah. I'm doing all my little drawings and stuff, and I'm putting them on my uh, social media feed. Yeah, make sure uh, to follow him for that. Yeah, you can. Uh, I'm Christopher Decker on Facebook, at uh, uh, Digital Catholic on Twitter, at Digital Catholic on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And uh, a couple more days to go in the month, right? Yeah. Uh, but I use a little thing called Field Notes. Um, for just regular old drawings. I don't have anything in this one because it's brand new, Ooh. but it's fashioned after the dime novels uh, of, well, let's see, I think the first dime novel came out in 1860. Oh, wow. And they went through like 1930. So uh, so the field notes is a really cool, they have them all themed and whatnot, but they're just blank little books that you I'll can be. write or draw in. Mm-hmm. That's what they're good for. That's my pick of the week, and that's what will go into the show notes. Uh, wow. Jeff, we are grateful for those who support us in our work here at the CU, aren't we? We are, Father, and this week Catholic Underground is possible because of people like you. Join the growing number of undergrounders at catholicunderground.com slash donate. Portions of the Catholic Underground are brought to you by audibletrial.com slash catholicunderground. That's audibletrial.com slash catholicunderground. And also by Mystic Monk Coffee. More information at catholicunderground.tv. You know, it occurs to me, I still haven't put the Mystic Monk link up on our website, but I better get on to that because uh, Advent is right around the corner. I've seen their new catalog. It's delicious. There you go. If you want that or the show notes for this episode, you can uh, go to catholicunderground.com and find all of it. Our panelists this week have been Kathleen Lee, the benefactress. She's at uh, Kathleen Lee, (laughs) Y-A-B-R on Twitter. Olivia Golino is at O-M Golino on Twitter. We've also got uh, the technical director, Jeff Blackwell, up there in space. He's at Jeff Blackwell us on Twitter. Our research assistant, the leader of the crew in the lab, is Jim Hayes and his family. Uh, you know me. Oh, wait, I forgot. Our video director has been Ed. Ed Ball. Yes. Don't want to forget him. Yeah. In the ball pit. In the ball pit. <laughs> <In> the ball <laughs> pit. <laughs> and as I say, you know me. I'm Father Chris Decker. I'm your neighborhood-friendly digital Catholic. You can follow me on Twitter there or on Instagram. We hope we've helped you cut through the noise and find that still small voice. We're the Catholic Underground for Faith Gone Digital. We'll see you next time.
the Catholic. 